Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. No games on the schedule? No! That doesn't stop us from talking football. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development. Here are your hosts, past WFCA President Tom Swiddle and WSSP High School Insider Big Time Mike McGiver. Welcome into the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show. As always, presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. And Mike McGivern, alongside my co-host, he is, uh, like the, the uh, uh, like it said, past president, Hall <laughs> of Fame guy, coaching all over the place. Are you, You're not coaching this year. You're I haven't decided yet. We'll see. I'm uh-huh. out there. I'm, I, I call it consulting. <laughs> I'm consulting with schools. Any breaking news on anything? Nothing or? yet. Nothing no, yet. No, no. He is Tom Swiddle. Hey, we got a fun show today. We certainly do. Um, we really do. And a number of people that are involved in the All-Star game that's coming up. And, and we're going to talk to a couple of those guys, one being the CEO of Rippin Athletic, who's on hold. We'll get to him in a minute. And then uh, Jeff Dows, who's the, from Freighter Sports Medicine is going to join us. The head football coach at uh, Carroll University is going to join us as well. And then Brian Henson, Commissioner of the Greater Metro Conference. Neil Brunner um, is going to join us. Neil has he's been an official for a long time. He's WFC Hall of Fame member. And, you know, most importantly, he's Dan Brunner's brother. So, yes, yes. Yeah, that's – I, I know all about being somebody's brother. You know, people oh, are bet. like, yeah, are you a relation to – yeah, that's, that's my brother. Is he funny all the time? That's what people ask me. Well, is he? He is not. No, he's not nearly <laughs> as funny as, as I am. Hey, as we uh, we talk with uh, with the CEO of Rippin Athletics, let me give you their website. It's rippinathletic.com. And, uh, boy, they're a sponsor, and they donate all the uniforms for the All-Star Game. And, you know, we couldn't – WFCA couldn't give as much money to um, Children's Hospital if it wasn't for guys like this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he's joining us now. He's uh, Peter Delith. He is the Delith. C- Delith. He is the CEO of Rippin Athletic. Peter, how you been? I'm doing great. How are you, gentlemen, this morning? We're really good. It's uh, not too bad out today, right? Getting a little bit cloudy, but it's all right. I cut my grass yesterday, Peter. So I don't care. <laughs> Let it rain, brother. Let it rain. <laughs> Hey, my grass is cut and I'm ready to roll. That's it, man. I can I can get either head to Summerfest or if it's raining, I, I can go home take a nap, which might be the best thing for me. Hey, let's talk a little bit about why you guys have gotten involved in, in such a nice sponsor and donated all the uniforms for the All-Star Game uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. Why is it important to, to rip an athletic to be involved like that? Well, I... There are a lot of uh, companies in the state of Wisconsin that are always looking, how can we give back to the community? So when you look at our particular company uh, in the product that we make, when you run into an opportunity such as this All-Star Game, when you can 
make the products that you make and you can do we try to make them well and then you can use our expertise in that area to go ahead and benefit um, a particular charity or charities or organizations it seemed to be a real natural for us so i mean going back to the very start of this event um, sandit at the time and now ripon athletic has been involved to some degree in supplying uniforms uh, to this all-star game and then there's kind of a little bit of a personal touch for us because uh, my grandpa was actually a coach for the all-star game back in 1949 and my brother eric and i were fortunate enough uh, to be able to participate in the all-star games back in 1981 and 1990 which are a few years ago so for a couple of reasons we have a very strong attachment to this game uh, to the coaches for all that they do for the kids in the state and the game of football and then the kids themselves because we know from personal experience that this is just a really fantastic outing for the kids and coaches. Peter, I know my, my son who played in the game was so proud to to have that All-Star Game jersey. In fact, we, we've got it hanging in our living room. We framed it, and um, it's just a, a great uh, memento from the game and the fact that um, you guys give the, the jerseys to the players um, after the game is, is such a neat thing. And, and, you know, part of the reason that I really wanted you to be on today is not only your association with the WFCA and what you do for the All-Star Game and other things with the WFCA, but, you know, your company is, in my opinion, a, a sort of a hidden gem in the state of Wisconsin. Very few people really know the impact that Ripon Athletics had a Ripon Athletic has across the country with with uniforms, and I think people would be, you know, shocked to learn all the different things that that you guys do. I mean, you're really at a national level with your uniforms and jacket making. Yeah, we've been really, really blessed, really fortunate over a long period of time. Uh, once again, going back to that tale of two companies, a company that went to a Sanit and then became Ripon Athletic, and that's a story you can see on our website if you want. But over that period of time, those companies have had an attachment to uh, the professional leagues in a variety of ways, and in our case, we're probably talking a little bit more um, the NFL. Going back to the days in the 60s, we were making product and supplying it to the teams, and to the point now where we're still able to assist companies at that very high level. And, and the really neat thing about that is when the kids take the field for the All-Star Game, they're wearing patterns and fabrics that are used at the highest level of football. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, Mike, I, I've been lucky enough to have a couple tours of Ripon Athletic, and uh, um, I've bought uniforms from them. And as, as Peter has said, I mean, it's the same product that, that teams on the weekends wear, you know. Sure. And uh, just to give you an example, um, I went there one time in December, and um, Pete gave us a, a tour. And, uh, boy, I saw them making the Rose Bowl jerseys for the Badgers. They were making the Pro Bowl jerseys for the NFL. I mean, there was so much stuff going on in that, uh, uh, that factory that it, it just blew my mind. Hey, uh, Peter, can I ask you, when did you get involved at, at Ripon Athletic? Um, I started in uh, June of 1992. I had been a teacher and a coach for a couple of years, 
And when this opportunity came up, uh, I had a chance to interview with my dad for it. <laughs> sure. Sounded like sounded like it made some sense, and so I got started on the sales end at that time. Uh, since then, it has really kind of blossomed into a family business where I have uh, three other brothers and a sister that are involved here. Uh, but that family even extends wider than that. We, you know, if, if Tom probably can tell you, um, everybody that works here is part of a family that works really hard to do the right thing for the customer, provide the quality, provide the service, uh, make sure that they're getting the product that they're asking for. Hey, Peter, did you ever think, man, we're getting so big, maybe it's time to move out of Ripon, or this is your home and this is where Ripon Athletics is going to stay? Uh, this is our home. This is where we're going to stay. Uh, we are committed to a made-in-the-USA product. Uh, there have been a lot of opportunities to do different things. Oh, I bet. But we're, we're going we're gonna to retain the family locally owned. We're going to retain the made-in-the-USA uh, because that family of coworkers uh, like I mentioned, we kind of live and work with them in this community, and it gives us a chance to go ahead and uh, do a lot of good things, hopefully, for the people in the community around us. Pete, uh, again, I've bought uniforms from uh, Ripon Athletic and have always been really pleased with, with the product. And one of the things that I think uh, uh, makes it uh, a good choice for coaches is the fact that you customize everything. I mean, a coach can come in with an idea on a uniform, and you can basically build that uniform for them. Our 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 history has always been: how can we give the that customer, that coach, exactly what he or she would want and what they're trying to do for their program? Uh, it's not necessarily about our brand that we're putting on it. It's more about what can we do for their the coach and their program. And so if, if they want something special, if they want to be able to keep using the same look, um, if they need to be able to get one, you know, the, the story of my dog ate my jersey or it got caught on fire or whatever the coaches you whatever the reasons you've run into, coach, uh, we're here to go ahead and support that coach and that program to get them what they need. Go to rippinathletic.com, rippinathletic.com. You know, and, and Pete, you guys were able to do that for me. When I inherited the program at Brookfield East, they had bought uniforms um, from a name brand, I'll just say that. And and with those purchases, uh, you know, they, they run that line of uniform for maybe two years, and then they're done. You can't ever replace anything that you've you've bought from these, you know, big, big companies. And uh, anyway, we, we had some sizing issues. You grabbed uh, Game Pant. And you were able to mock that game pant exactly, in fact, probably you know better than the original, and you were able to give me the sizes that I wanted, and, and it was just an amazing display of, of what Rippin can do for you. We, we're coming up on a, a hundred years of our company being in existence, that combination, the tale of two companies between Sandnet and Rippin Athletic. There's really no substitute for that experience, which is passed on from kind of one generation to another. I, I worked underneath my father, and he, he kind of taught me the ropes. And how do we help customers get what you want? So that example that you mentioned, uh, that isn't something where you pull that information out of the air. That's, that's something that you've developed with experience and listening and paying attention to the detail. How do we help that customer uh, get what we want? And eventually that proof has to be in the pudding. We, we could 
try and spend all sorts of money on marketing and promotion. Uh, but for us as a manufacturer, uh, the emphasis is making sure that the proof is in the pudding, that when the customer gets the product, they're like, wow, this is worth it. And so we, we, hope, we hope that's what's happening out there for our customers. Hey, Peter, can we hold you over for one more segment? I've got a few more questions for you regarding Ripon Athletic. Sure, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. So I'll be here when you're when you That's come back. Awesome. That he is Peter Delith. He is the CEO of Ripon Athletic. Again, RippinAthletic.com is where you want to go. That the information on the website is great. And the Tale of Two Cities, um, two companies. Excuse me. Read that article. That's there and talk about Sandnet, talk about Ripon Athletic and, and the history behind those. And, you know, it, it didn't say, Peter, that, that you know, you had to uh, you had an interview with Hank, but I'd sure like to know more about that interview. Hopefully, obviously, <laughs> obviously it went well, but I'm wondering if maybe Hank's wife and your mom said, you better hire that boy. So we'll get we'll get into that on the other side of the break. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and leadership development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coach Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising Leadership Development. Song is Boys of Fall. I keep playing that on the show just because it makes so much sense. Right? Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's <laughs> not? man. It's we're just about ready too. Oh, less than a month. Less than a month. How uh, how are you going to feel this year? You know, come August, you're okay. I'm fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we'll see, man. You got that smile. <laughs> There's something you're not telling. Maybe next break you'll fill me in a little bit. <laughs> well, we'll see. He's Tom Swiddle, my co-host again. He is uh, past president of the WFCA WFCA Hall of Fame member. And uh, football coach. How's that? Yeah, he's a husband. Yeah, yeah. He did good. Yeah, He did good. Beautiful kids. We were joined by the CEO of Rippin Athletic, and we're big fans of this company. Um, and look, there, there are companies that, again, I know that Peter said there are companies that look to give back to the community, but this one really fits. Peter, do you remember playing in that game? you remember that week of, of camp and playing in that game? It, it was an incredible experience. Yes, I do. Um, um, I, I remember uh, that when I was called and asked to participate, it was kind of unexpected. And at that time, there were only one north and one south team. There weren't the different divisions and levels that there are now. And so I was fortunate enough to be called. And at that time, Coach uh, Charlie McDonald at Beaverdam was the head coach. And it just so happens that our family roots are from Beaverdam. And so reported to Whitewater met a bunch of great guys i have memories of the practices as well as the social time together but the thing that still sticks with me the most and at that time it was the shriners hospital you know we drove down and had lunch with the north squad you know had to sit with the north guys and yeah i know (laughs) we don't like those guys and, and so and so we had lunch but then we went to the shriners hospital and we went walking in there with our football jerseys and those kids thought we were the pros. And I remember sitting down with a kid that had a variety of different disabilities, and he's playing the piano, and he's happy, and he's singing. And we're just kind of looking at each other, and it's like, man, we're worried about our, 
our little problems. Right. And so it was an, it was an amazing uh, experience to watch these young people fighting the different challenges that they were fighting and how they were fighting it. And, and really, we walked away probably more from that experience than they did. And then, of course, the game itself um, – was a was a great experience. Uh, the coaches were fantastic. Uh, uh, some of the coaches taught me a lot of things that I used going forward. And when you say goodbye at that end of the game, uh, you have a new family uh, that that you keep in contact with as you keep moving forward. You know, Peter, your story reminded me of something. Uh, one of my experiences with the All Star Game, I was for, I've been fortunate enough to be the head coach for the South twice. In the first year, in two thousand and seven. My son was just a little kid, and he came along, spent the week with us as uh, as the ball boy, as the you know whatever you needed him to do, he would do it for you. And sure. he went around the whole week, and he collected autographs from all the guys on the team. <laughs> and you're right to to him, the All Star players were like the Green Bay Packers. Right. I mean, there was no difference. You know, yeah, those kids look up, and and it's funny, Peter, because we we as coaches we try to tell kids. That they are role models for these kids, little kids that are sitting in the stands, who go home and they 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 go to bed with their football or their basketball in their uniform, and and they want to be those kids when they get older. And these kids, you know, that's a lot of pressure for a 15, 16, 17 year old kid, but they have to understand that that you know they're an ambassador for their family and their school and and your team, and the fact that you talk so highly of that week. And we haven't even talked about the game. You talked about the week and the Shriners and having to have lunch, looking at the guy you're going to go play against. But it wasn't the game itself, which is a big deal for these guys, almost becomes secondary by the end of the week, correct? Correct. And I think it's really representative. And I mean this most sincerely. I think Wisconsin's blessed with a lot of great coaches. And we're talking specifically now about football. And I really think the coaches out there – are doing a great job of, yeah, it's the game, and what can we do to get better at the game, but trying to make better young men in this case, or in some cases some of the young women that are starting to participate in the sport itself. And and that's where the coaches really earn, the, earn their keep in really big ways, not only coaching the game, but just uh, teaching these young people what the game can teach them about life. Peter, when you played in the game, was that back in the days where you guys practiced for two weeks leading up to the game? Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I believe it was to the best of my memory. Like I said, I don't remember a lot of the practices. I do remember Coach uh, Coach Datka was a huge help. Oh yeah, uh, he stayed. He stayed with me after practice, taught me some things about about blocking that I need a little work on. But I don't remember the the, the practices. But I think it was two weeks, or it was like a week and a half uh, that we were down there. Um, it, it was a great experience. Peter, did you go on and play at the next level? Did you play college football as well? I, I was fortunate enough to go to Eau Claire and play underneath Coach Link Walker. Wow, sure. Uh, we had a, we had a little bit of success in the early '80s. We were there once again. I don't think I'm as prepared for that experience if it isn't for that All Star game. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty certain I'm not. And so things happen for a reason. I, I was very fortunate. They have had that all star had that all star experience. We're talking to Peter DeLeith. He is the CEO of Rippin Athletic. 
you know, we talk a lot about life lessons through the game of football. And, and, and again, I'm a basketball coach, and I think there's a lot of life lessons to be learned through any sport that you play. But as the CEO of a company like Rippin Athletic, how often do you think you draw back on some of the things that you learned on the football field in, in your business world? Oh, I, I don't think you cannot uh, draw on that experience. Uh, draw on the experiences really that I remember that whether it was our high school coach at Brillen High School, who was Steve Stelmacher or Coach Walker up at Eau Claire, some of the assistant coaches that I had a great opportunity to be with. There are times thoughts and memories come back about having worked with them that I do draw from. I mean, let's face it. Uh, if you were to mention Ripon Athletic to uh, to young people nowadays, they might be, huh? <laughs> Compared to some of the other sure. uh, sporting goods companies that are out there. So you learn that you have to compete. Uh, you learn you have to work at it. You learn you have to be true to yourself and uh, keep doing those things, the right things on a daily basis uh, to try and get where you want to go. And it does require hard work, and you are going to get knocked down, and you have to decide whether you're going to pick yourself back up, brush yourself off, and keep going. You know, Peter, my, my son has uh, played basketball. He played Division three basketball up at Maranatha Baptist Bible College. And now he's in the business world. He's been in the business world about five years. And three months ago, he called me from the air, from an airport. And he said, Dad, I, you know what? I'm calling to say thank you for all the stuff that, that we did, well, you did with me during um, when I was growing up with basketball. And I said, okay, where, where is this coming from? He said, you taught me how to be a point guard. And I realized today when I was in a meeting that I think about business the way I thought about playing basketball as a point guard. You know, I'm always looking at two steps ahead, and I'm trying to make sure I get in the right gap and I take care of the people that are hitting shots. And and he said, and I realized today that a lot of how I draw back what I do business-wise comes from the basketball floor. And, and it's good, really good to hear, Tom, look, you played and coached at a really high level. And lot, some of these kids get that, and they understand it. And as they get older... But there's some kids that you just want to go like, like, come on, man, you, the lessons you're going to learn from all this, just stick with it, um, are so high. And certainly when this All-Star game, which is going to happen in two weeks up in, in Oshkosh, these are the best of the best of what the state has to offer. And these kids have learned those lessons and will carry on with those lessons. Uh, they certainly do. And, and uh, having stayed in contact with many of the players that, that played for me in the 2016 All-Star game, and you just look at how successful they are. Some aren't even playing football anymore due to injury or whatever, but they're still in school doing well and with great plans for the future. And, you know, hopefully, you know, somehow that experience for them at the All-Star game is, has helped them to, to be that way. You know, the fact that Peter still remembers what it was like back, you know, in the, in the 80s, and it's not that far, uh, you know, removed from guys like me. That doesn't seem so bad. But you know, the especially fact a guy that, like me that started coaching in 1979. Right. That's just a few years ago. Look, right. at, we're still young and good looking, Tom. No worries on that. Hey, I really appreciate everything that Ripon Athletic does uh, for high school sports around the state and certainly around the country. But we're so proud of this company being right here in Ripon, Wisconsin, Peter, and, and the fact that right in Berlin and, and Ripon Athletic does a great job there and, and certainly going to stay in that community. And, and certainly the amount of people that, that in that community get a chance to go to work at Ripon Athletic every day must be high. You guys, how many employees do you have? We have roughly 160 here. Oh, man. Good for you. 
we, we've got a we've got a great group of people here that uh, work hard and they do care. I mean, I I walk the floor every day, say hello to folks the best I can, and they are always looking at product. Is this right? Is this correct? Is this the best we can do? And if they've got questions, they ask. And and so whether it's football or the other sports that we make. They take a great deal of pride in the quality of products that's getting delivered to the customer. Boy, that's awesome. Well, thank you for the the the, uh, the work that you do with the WFCA and uh, certainly with the All-Star Game coming up in, in two weeks. Will you be on the sidelines for that one? Uh, yes, I will. Uh, as a matter of fact, as part of our working relationship with this, I'll be there for all the games and we actually like bring back the practice jerseys and the game pants, and we wash them, we recycle them, make sure that they're the best and newest they can be, and then we make sure the kids got their jerseys. And I get a little chance to watch football <laughs> during, <laughs> during in between, and then I get to say hi to a bunch of coaches that I know. It's really a great day. It's an enjoyable day, and actually, I look forward to seeing you, Tom, here in a couple weeks. I do as well, Pete. Thank you so much for being on this morning. Hey, you're welcome. Can I give one shout-out, guys, to sure. uh, to all the customers out there? I, we really do want to express our gratitude to those coaches, those schools that are buying our product. We appreciate uh, your support and interest in our company. It's RippinAthletic.com. If you have any interest in learning more about this company, RippinAthletic.com. It's a Wisconsin company that uh, makes Wisconsin people proud that Ripon Athletic is right here in our state. Uh, Pete, thank you very much for a few minutes. Have a great weekend. Thank you both. Appreciate you, and you have a great weekend as well. You got it. We'll, uh, let's go uh, to a break. Other side of the break, Jeff Doss, for, uh, Freighter Sports Medicine, is going to join us. This is the Pick and Save, Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern alongside Tom Swiddle, our next guest, another big uh, big partner with uh, WFCA on, on the All Star Game, right? Absolutely. We we couldn't. There's so many moving parts to the All Star Game, and and uh, our next guest and and uh, Freighted Sports Medicine is a big part of it. He is a supervisor of uh, sports medicine with, with Freighter. He's Jeff Doss. Jeff, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, guys? We're doing great. Uh, thanks a lot for, for a few minutes of your time today. Hey, can you talk a little bit about um, what, the, what the job title is and what you do as a supervisor of sports medicine for Freighter? What does that entail? Um, I, uh, so we have a, a staff of athletic trainers that cover various uh, schools um, and organizations in the area, and it's my job to hire great people, retain great people for those uh, roles, and uh, and make sure they're in the right place at the right times and have what they need to, to provide great service. So you talk mostly about athletic trainers, correct? Yeah, I, I supervise uh, the staff of athletic trainers specifically. You know that that job title has really, I think, changed over the years, Jeff. And and we're going to get into to why you're so involved with the All Star Game and and with the WFCA. But when, can you talk a little bit about um, what athletic trainers do? 
Like, what is what on a day to day basis? What are these guys doing? Yeah, I you know it, it is something that you know I've been an athletic trainer a long time, and it's a very misunderstood profession. A lot of it has to do with our name, athletic trainer. A lot of people think that you know we're personal trainers and uh, you know teach people how to exercise and that sort of thing, but um, it's really we provide health care for athletes and active people. Um, it's everything from prevention, uh, emergency care, rehabilitation, um, f- treatment, um, you know, the whole uh, spectrum of, of health care for uh, athletes and active people. You know, originally started in the collegiate and professional levels uh, as a profession and uh, you know, probably in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, high school athletics really found that they could really benefit from what athletic trainers have to offer. And we saw a great influx of athletic trainers uh, moving into a high school uh, level and, you know, to the point where now it's it's really, really unusual for an, for a high school to not have access to an athletic trainer. We're talking to Jeff Doss. He's a supervisor of sports medicine um, for Freighter Sports Medicine. And, and uh, doing some research for the show, Jeff, I, I, I started looking up things that that um, when you talk about athletic trainers, some of the, the skills that they need. And I came across this, and I found it really interesting. Here are some of the top qualities that teams are looking for when they're hiring and interviewing potential athletic trainers. And I'm going to get your, your take on this. But they said passion was one, confidence was two, great interpersonal skills was three, good decision-making, empathy, and certainly attentive to detail. need to obviously be very detail-oriented. And I'm wondering, as an athletic trainer yourself, when you hear that these are some of the top qualities that schools and teams are looking for, and they start with passion, and they go to empathy and good decision-making – yeah, I'm sure you'd agree with each and every one of those. Absolutely. That is exactly what a good athletic trainer needs to needs to have all those traits. Um, athletic trainers, for the most part, work very independently. Um, and you have to be really dedicated to what you're doing because uh, it's a tough job. Um, and it's and in some ways it's getting tougher. Um, it's just there's a lot of demands that are placed on you. Um, and, uh, it, it, it can be very challenging and, uh, you know, you need that dedication. You need to be, a, you know, a, uh, attention to detail. All those things that you mentioned are, are really important. And that's exactly what I look at in, in those types of people. Um, when I'm looking to hire someone for our staff, you know, Jeff, um, I've coached a long, long time and you don't know how good you have it until you don't have it anymore. And, you know, I spent uh, uh, a rather long fall last year at, at Tech trying to, you know, build a football program there. And one of the things that that we did not have was an athletic trainer. It was mm-hmm. it was unbelievable to me that you know that's the way it is in in MPS that uh, there aren't individual athletic trainers at schools, but that's the way it was, and mm-hmm. it brought me back to my. Uh, early coaching roots at uh, Dominican High School where, you know, I did the taping and, you know, all of that. And, well, it made me really appreciate all the great people that I've worked with through the years at, at Wauwatosa East and, and Brookfield East in terms of people that fill that role of athletic trainer. And, and uh, 
I, I, it just brought back like, my gosh, I, I'm taking care of this, you know, and yeah. being totally unprepared, Jeff, to do so. I mean, I don't care that you go through a three hour, you know, uh, CPR right. training or something, you know, mm-hmm. you're not prepared to handle injuries, you know, and uh, uh, anyway, I, I really appreciated having those athletic trainers when you didn't have one. Yeah, it, it is something that a lot of times, uh, you know, athletic trainers are in the background and, and not really noticed until somebody gets hurt. And then all of a sudden you're the most important person in the stadium um, or the gym or wherever you happen to be. Um, and if something does happen where, let's say, you had to get called to another area, which I've had in my career where okay, you had to go deal with something in another part of the building or something, somebody was injured, and then there was another game going on, it's like, well, where, where's the trainer? Where's the athletic trainer? Where are they? You know, everyone's in a panic mode um, because they're just so used to having us right there. So um, I, I know exactly what you're saying, Tom, um, you know, that it is something that'll you know, I think it's just a given now. Um, and it was a kind of interesting from a coaching standpoint. You know, when I first started, um, you know, back in 89, 90, there were still some coaches, probably like yourself, that, you know, were used to handling some of those simple things and and so forth. But as the things progressed and you got athletic trainers into the high schools, you know, you they didn't have to worry about it and they could just focus on coaching. And that was really something that they really appreciated. But the other thing that was interesting is these younger coaches I noticed that were coming in, they had absolutely no clue, you know, no no idea how to deal with, with anything because they never had to, you know, they never had to do anything. So, um, but then that's kind of the way we are now where coaches can just coach and the athletic trainers can, can take care of the uh, injuries when they happen. We're talking to Jeff Doss again, supervisor of sports medicine with Freighter uh, Sports Medicine. You know, Jeff, it's interesting because I've been doing the high school show for a long time, and and when when it really became prevalent in a lot of the schools that they were going to have uh, athletic trainers at the school, in the beginning, some of the coaches have been around for a while were like, oh, hold on a second, I make these decisions. And when they realized what a benefit was to, to, to have somebody next to them that would make the decision so that they could take that off the coach's plate. You know, sometimes as coaches, we get extremely competitive and maybe we're not thinking correctly. It's like, hey, our best player just got hurt. You know what? You're fine. Rub some dirt on it and get back in there. And to be able to hand that decision-making off to to somebody much smarter than us coaches, that's for sure, that can make that decision to whether that, that player can go back on the field or on the court um, re- they, they really, I think the coaches I've talked to all really appreciate the work that you guys do with that. Yeah. And I think that, uh, uh, there, there was a time when, when that transition was happening where, where coaches perhaps were a little nervous about, Oh, now they're going to hold out all the kids. You know, every time someone gets a little injury, they're going to be, you know, no practice, no games, whatever. It's like, I think they realized that, you know, athletic trainers are very skilled and, uh, you know, forming a diagnosis and developing a plan of care that makes the, the most sense. And the last thing we want to do is keep athletes out. We try to keep them in practice and in games as much as possible. And, you know, as you gain experience uh, as an athletic trainer, I mean, you, you're able to make really good decisions about, you know, what they can do, what they can't do. Well, how are you going to keep that athlete safe but be able to keep them participating? Most of us athletic trainers have an athletic background, um, and we all know what it's like to 
you know, be disappointed because you you got hurt and and you had to miss some practices or, or miss a game. And, and, I, and many of us just we feel bad if we have to keep somebody out. We don't want them to be out. So we, we really work hard to, you know, make good decisions, make safe decisions. But remember that you know we want to have them participate when it is safe and 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 try to try to make it so that they can continue as an athlete because nobody wants them to be out. And you know what, uh, Jeff, uh, when I was at Wauwatosa East and Brookfield East, both schools, um, you would just see how the trainers, when somebody had an injury, and the trainers would come out to the field and put them through their paces, you know, run straight ahead, try to cut out, you know, all the different things that, again, I would have no idea, you know, to do. And, and, uh, and every now and then they would come up to me and they would say, hey, I don't know why he's not practicing because in my mind – you know, he should be out there. And I think that's really, like you said, Jeff, you know, the goal is to get him back on the field. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that open and honest dialogue that you have to have with your athletic trainer um, is so important to really your program and, and your success. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, the thing is that looking back on my career, um, you know, I really find that the the most re- some of the most rewarding parts of my career have been relationships that I've developed with coaches over the years. So, uh, most of my best friends right now are coaches that I've worked with in the past. And uh, to have that really strong relationship with the coaches, coaching staff, um, and, and, and players, uh, it, it's something a little analogous to coaching. I, I had the pleasure of actually doing a little fo- uh, coaching football um, where we worked it out when I was uh, at Hartford High School, I was able to coach for a little while uh, there, and and it really was a it was just a great experience to you know be part of things and and uh, uh, part of the team. I mean, as part of the night, the fun of being an athletic trainer is you get to be a little bit of a kind of part of the team and and enjoy the successes and and uh, and endure the disappointments as well. Um, so. It, it, it is really it, it, it's really great to to have that team type uh, atmosphere. Jeff, can you give us uh, off the record some stories of that head coach at at Hartford at the time and some of the goofy <laughs> goofy stuff that guy was doing out oh there? My God. I, that will make me really nervous to start some of those, uh, those uh, stories. And I'm nervous just thinking about listening to him. Well, yeah. not me. I, I want to. I want to be able to call Dan and tell him all the all the inside information that I have. Hey, really quickly before we get to a break, when you talked about and you just said this, Tom, that you know sometimes an athletic trainer says, "Look, I don't know why the kid is in practice." And we had a kid a couple years ago at Martin Lutheran basketball, and um, big, strong kid, but his both of his uncles had gotten injured playing basketball, and he had a similar injury, but not quite as severe, and and he was ready to go. And he kept saying, no, I don't think so. I, 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 I don't think so. And the trainer pulled me aside and said, look, it's he's ready to go. I'm telling you, he's going through all the steps. He, It's just in his head right now. And I said, hey, let's play good cop, bad cop. I'll be the bad cop. You be the good cop. She goes, okay. And I just, I just lit this kid up. And she was like, hold on a second. You know what? You shouldn't really hold on here. She kind of had her arm around him, <laughs> and I lit him up good. And... Then I walked away, and she said a couple things, and she had her arm around him and stuff, and he kind of nodded, and he got all of a sudden he was good to go. 
he was ready to go, and he was really mad at me for about two days, and she was like, wow, that worked really well. Anytime we have to do this, you be the bad cop, and I'll be the good cop because you do that well. Hey, let's get to a break. Other side of the break, we'll continue our conversation with Jeff Doss. He's a supervisor of sports medicine for Freighter Sports Medicine. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan. Oh, but I can't help thinking that I've heard the wrong crowd. When all the water is gone, my job will Oh, welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coach Association show. The name of that song is Leave Something Behind by Sean Rowe. Love that song. It's uh, a lot to do with what we're talking about, man. Leaving something behind is so important for this all-star game. And and Jeff Doss, who's the supervisor of sports medicine at Freighter Sports Medicine, during the break time, you said, look, Mike, we can't do what we do without guys like Jeff and, and how much help they give us. And, uh, Jeff, we really appreciate you know your willingness to, to work with the WFCA and for this all-star game and and thank the people that will be up there. Are you going to be up at that game personally, or do you you send guys up there? Well, we we actually, to answer your question, I will be at uh, uh, Titan Stadium for a, uh, at least a good part of the day. But we do have four uh, athletic trainers that will spend the week at Whitewater, UW Whitewater, um, you know, to, to be there all week um, taking care of the, the football players there. Um, and then they actually cover the game. Um, and I'm just, I usually stop at uh, UW Whitewater on Wednesday just to, you know, make sure everything's going okay there and see if they need anything. Uh, and then uh, I'm at the game again, just supporting them um, and uh, making sure that they have what they need. And, and I get to hang out a little bit, talk to some of my old friends up there. And uh, it's a great day. It's a great week. Um, for for all involved. Hey Jeff, do the, those four guys do they stay on campus or do they get to go home and spend the night in the air conditioning? Uh, actually, actually uh, those four, two are guys and two are young ladies, um, and uh, they actually stay on campus. It's a lot <laughs> easier to do so. Um, but uh, we work out to make sure that they're comfortable. Um, Doug Sarver does a great job making sure that. That again, they're as comfortable as possible, and um, and uh, make sure that they have what they need there. So uh, it's a it's a great week, and you know the thing is that I, I send four outstanding athletic trainers to be there for the week, um, and for them, uh, it's it's something that they really enjoy going to do. A lot, most of them have done it, uh, you know, all each year that we've been involved. And they really enjoy it. It's it's just kind of a fun week where they can just get away from, you know, what we were doing, um, you know, in the clinics and that sort of thing, and just go out and enjoy being with, you know, some really exceptional athletes, uh, some great coaches. Just kind of, you know, be an athletic trainer. We send four of them to make sure that they're not overworked. I don't want I want it to be a fun experience for them, um, and 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 it is. They really enjoy it and. Uh, uh, it's been a good. It's been a great experience for us uh, as an organization, um, and we're really, really uh, happy to be involved in the in the whole uh, WFCA All Star Game and and with the Coaches Association. 
And Mike, what Jeff is really saying is when, when, you know, Doug is making sure that they, they're comfortable. He is saying that they have air conditioning. Yeah, that's so, where, that's what know. I figured. <laughs> that's, yeah, but you know what? They deserve it. I mean, they deserve it for all the things they do. And, again, having coached in the game and, you know, back in 2007, Jeff, my first year as, as the head coach for the South, I had to find the trainer. You know, I mean, that was part of the duties. And now the fact that you've stepped in with, with your people and the coaches don't have to do that anymore uh, is just one th- more thing off their plate, which makes their their life a little bit more uh, uh, easier to navigate. But uh, um, I can tell you what great work your people do. And just coming off the practice field and seeing the, you know, the ice tubs that are out there for guys to lay down in after a hot practice and things, just first class. And how about that new facility at, at Whitewater, Jeff? Nice place to, to, to work. Yeah, yeah. It's last, you know, last summer um, they were in a transition uh, where they you know, had to do a uh, temporary setup. Um, so I really look forward to being able to be in that. So we did get a tour of it. It wasn't completed yet um, as far as the, the athletic training room, but uh, uh, we're looking forward to them being able to be in there. And, uh, and you know, they do a great job. They're great hosts over there. They are. A nice job of making sure that, you know, everyone has what they need. And uh, it's just a fun week. Jeff, you and I talked prior to the show today, and, and uh, you, you know, you're very passionate about athletic trainers and, um, you know, making sure that, that schools uh, appreciate what, what they have in an athletic trainer. And, you know, you brought up something that, that I guess I had never really thought about, but, um, you know, so often when games are rescheduled, say a baseball game, and so often a game is rescheduled, they make sure they have umpires, they make sure they got the bus, they make sure, you know, all these things. Like they never check to see if an athletic trainer is available. You know, it's just assumed, and and that is something that again you're very passionate about, among other things. Yeah, that kind of gets back to the, you know, talking about how we're we're in the background and nobody really thinks about us until something happens, until somebody gets hurt, and then suddenly we are the most important people in the in that facility. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of really really good at athletic directors. I know a lot of them. I, you know, I really appreciate what they do and they, they do appreciate what, what we do as athletic trainers. And I, I just think it's one, some things that, you know, it just doesn't come to mind. You know, you're worried about uh, everything else. So like you mentioned, the, the officials, the scorekeepers, the clock people, you know, everything. And uh, yeah, the athletic trainer will be there. We'll just let them know when it is. And, um, it doesn't matter that uh, you know, they're supposed to be in a wedding or something on that Saturday. It's like, I hope you don't figure it out. So, and there, has, there actually has been some things that, you know, I, I'm a little embarrassed of over my career that I missed because I had to cover something at, at the last minute. Um, so I think we're, we're getting to a point um, where people in my position who are, you know, managing, uh, you know, staff out there, we're trying to get to the point where, uh, our athletic trainers uh, have a can have a bit more of a normal life. Um, we try to have enough staff that you know if if something comes up they can't cover. We have somebody else that can step in. Um, so we're trying to get to that point uh, where where we can because we have to keep uh, good people. It's tough. You know sometimes it's tough to get good people and you got to really keep them. And, and we lose good people in our profession because it is such a challenging uh, it is a challenging profession. Um, 
a lot of people, you know, they don't think about, you know, it's it's a lot of nights, a lot of weekends, and, and it's really difficult when you have a family, you know, young family or whatever. So, um, but I think it, I think we're working to a place where it's getting better. Thank goodness you guys are paid one point two million for all that stuff, Jeff. You know that. Yeah, yeah that's what. You, man, right. we the athletic trainer we had at Martin Luther this year. We we got deep into the playoffs, won a state championship, and on before we went to Madison, I had a conversation with her, and I said, you know how how much do you want to be involved in this, and she said, I want all of it, mm-hmm. and I said, you want? It? I said, great, really. So she was on the bus with us. She, she had a hotel room with us. She had every all of it from from start to finish. And she said, "I just want to be a part of this because I've never been a part of something like this." And I'm telling you, she was part of the family. I mean, she was every bit as important, if not more, than some of the coaches we had on staff because you know we went to her with a lot of stuff, and and it was so fun having her part of. You know all of this from again from start to finish. So, hey, I really thank you Thanks, very much. Jeff. Let's get to a break. Other side of the break, uh, Mark Kraskowski, head football coach at Carroll University. We're going to talk some pioneer football on the other side of the break. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The Fan. No games on the schedule. No. That doesn't stop us from talking football. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development. Here are your hosts, past WFCA President Tom Swiddle and WSSP High School Insider Big Time Mike McGiver. Welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show. Presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The Fan, Mike McGivern, alongside Tom Swiddle, and uh, past president of WFCA, WFCA Hall of Fame member. Uh, we're going to reach out to the head football coach at Carroll University here in a minute, um, Tom. Hey, with um, with this All-Star game coming up in two weeks, two weeks from today, three yep. games going on at Titan Stadium, um, everything pretty much is set at this point. But there's so much work that goes in. How uh, after the game is done on Saturday, when do you guys start working on the next year? Like pretty close to right away, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a evaluation after the game where you know what went well, what didn't go so well. So we're always evaluating, you know, every every All Star weekend, and uh, you know we get the the ball rolling right away. I mean, we we make sure that. Uh, uh, we connect with, you know, Whitewater hosts the South and Oshkosh hosts the North. And we, you know, we make sure everything went well with them. And again, improvements that we could have and, you know, all of that. So yeah, it's pretty immediate. It's, it's, it gets going. Yeah. And we certainly got to, you know, thank everybody that's involved in this thing. And there's like you had said a little bit earlier in the show, there's so many moving pieces. And if we had a list of everybody that helps you guys, for that week, we, we'd spend the entire two hours just saying thank yeah, you to it's these just, guys. It's amazing how many people have have a part in putting this on. And and the whole reason for this All-Star game is for these kids to play one more game, high school football, but the ultimate goal is to raise money for Children's Hospital. And people can still do that, correct? Correct. They you, certainly can. And how do they – so they go on, on the uh, the Children's Hospital website, correct? Uh, correct, correct. And you'll see, uh, you know, where you can where you can donate. Right. And you can pick a player. 
Yes. Yeah. If you want to pick, let's say, Darius Crowley Reed for Martin Luther, you could pick him. Or, you and could. I'm just using him as an example, of Certainly. course. Or you can pick any of the players or just donate to what is a wonderful cause. And we will, um, and we have in the past talked to players and coaches, obviously, who have, have been involved in this game. And just the impact it's had in their lives is something special. Go to the Children's, uh, Children's Hospital website. In fact, you can go to the WFC8 website to get more information as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and certainly uh, WFC8 has a ton of information on, on all the events that they hold and, and what the WFC8 is, which is Wisconsin Football Coaches Association and the things that they do. Let's. Uh, we're now joined by the head football coach at Carroll University. He is Mike uh, Mark Krakowski. And, uh, hey, Coach, I got a text about two minutes ago uh, from a, a proud Carroll uh, alum who wanted to know the, the, the storms that came through Waukesha. Uh, did they affect the fields at all out by you? You know, the fields are in great shape. Uh, yeah, that storm was pretty intense. Yeah. And, uh, it affected our campus a little bit, but I'll tell you what, phenomenal grounds crew and some other volunteers got out there, cleaned it all up. Uh, the campus is looking beautiful, and the, the field's ready for us in August, that's for sure. Well, August right around the corner, Coach. I I know that you guys, uh, you know, it's almost a 12-month deal now, even at the high school level, but hopefully you've been able to kind of take a breath and enjoy the summer a little bit before you get going here in a few weeks. Yeah, definitely have. Uh, you know, we love what we do, and we're – we're excited to get going, but I always tell people we've got to enjoy the summer a little bit. Uh, so some family trips and spending time with our families, which are, uh, let's face it, unbelievable as far as the support system for us. But uh, enjoy the summer, but yet definitely looking forward to the season when it comes. Coach, you know I'm a big fan of uh, one of your assistant coaches. <laughs> and uh, Tony Aker, I just think the world of. I think he's one of the real good guys, and he's got – Look, the message that he has to young student-athletes is is really important, and he's he is not afraid to share his story. And uh, he was one of the better athletes I've ever coached against on a basketball floor and, and uh, was a heck of a football player and a big personality. Everybody knows Tony, and uh, he's doing a nice job for you at Carroll University, correct? Yeah, he's doing a phenomenal job. And you're right, he's got a, he's got a great story. He, he uses it to reach the audience, and it's a big audience, let's face it. Uh, athletes, students, parents, you name it. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's doing a great job. He's got some energy that he brings, and we're blessed. We're blessed to have him, without a doubt, and blessed to have the rest of the staff, too, obviously. Uh, but we all feed off of each other's energy. Tony does a great job on the field. Uh, he's got a he's got a great offensive mind. He's got a great football mind. I love getting up on the board with him in the office. You know, we always tease each other. The guy who holds the marker last always wins. <laughs> I was just going to uh, say that, Coach K. Well, <laughs> hey, you let him know that I said if he could ever hit a jump shot on the basketball floor, he could have been a good one. But uh, well, definitely. Yeah, he he would shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot. He there weren't a lot of shots he didn't think he could hit. I'll tell you that. And to be honest with you, he hit most of them. He was a yeah. heck of a basketball player as well as a really good football player. Coach, well, we. What, still. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, he's still at it. We play noon, noon hoops around here, and uh, <laughs> the energy level gets transferred out onto that basketball court. Tony's uh, the number one staff. draft choice, right? Yeah, he's the he, first guy picked. Hey, does he pass the ball at all? Uh, you know, he, he, he's, <laughs> uh, 
he's confident out on the court. And whenever we interview new coaches, one of the questions has to be, do you play noon hoops? And uh, it definitely gives somebody a leg up in the interview process. Well, <laughs> hey, you know what? If he's on the other team, just say, I got Tony, because if he's guarding you, you got a lot of open shots coming. I can That's tell right. you that right now. Coach, we had you on the show a few years ago at the Combine, and we just simply didn't have enough time to talk Carroll football. So we appreciate you coming back on this morning with us. And, and uh, you know, one of the things in looking at your background, you're actually an alum of, of at Carroll and played football there. What's it like to come back and, and coach at uh, your, your old school? Yeah, what a blessing. Um, and I do appreciate being on today without a doubt. Uh, yeah, I grew up in the local area. I'm a, I'm a backyard guy, New Berlin, and then had the opportunity to stay right here in the area as far as Wisconsin goes. So I'm always blessed to be able to tell people I played high school, I coached high school, I played college. I'm now coaching college football in the great state of Wisconsin and there's great football uh, all over the place. But for me to come back and uh, to be at this institution, there's something special about it without a doubt. In fact, you know, my office right now is, is in a place that used to be a classroom. So I always reminisce and say I, I sat in this very exact place as a student looking at a whiteboard, uh, you know, many, many years ago, I guess it's been now. But to be back here and to really do something special uh, in southeast Wisconsin and in Waukesha and just trying to spread the message that this is a great institution and for the local talent to really take a look at us because we're doing some really cool things. It's a beautiful campus, outstanding education programs. So I'm just happy to be a part of it without a doubt. We're talking to the head football coach at uh, Carroll University. Coach, uh, one of the guys on the big show, Bill Schmidt, was an offensive uh, <laughs> offensive lineman out by Carroll. You know, he used to tell us that he was a really good football player. I'm wondering what you think of that. It was an outstanding football Yeah, yeah. Uh, Baby Tausch. <laughs> he, he's got great personality, and, and we've known that since uh, since the recruiting process with, with Billy. And he, he really was. He was a very, very talented young man out on the field, and he was a tremendous leader. Um, so very happy for him and the success that he's having. Uh, and miss him a lot, but they are supposed to graduate. So we're happy for him, but... Um, I'd, I'd give anything to have them back for a couple more years of eligibility. Coach, uh, getting back to uh, um, you know the Carroll football and and uh, um, you know you coming back and so on. When you played at Carroll, were you in the CCIW? Yeah. So really, that history there. Yeah. I was, I was here for my first year, and we were still in the CCIW. And then while I was here is when we made the transition okay. to. Uh, the Midwest Conference. So I actually had the opportunity to split that time. And then prior to coming back here as a coach, I was at another CCIW school. So I had the opportunity to coach in that conference for five years prior to coming back here. So uh, outstanding conference without a doubt and was lucky enough to have some background in it. And the reason I asked the question, obviously, you've uh, left the Midwest Conference and are now back in the CCIW, and that's quite a quite a change. Yeah, yeah. You know, going going back to when that decision was being made, and it, and it certainly wasn't just one sport; it was collectively as a university, just saying that we appreciate who we were with as far as the Midwest Conference, some very very good schools and good athletic programs. But coming to the CCIW, we feel, is just an outstanding opportunity for our coaches, our student-athletes, our athletic program, um, just to be with the, 
competition that we are. Competition builds excellence without a doubt. And, uh, you know, in the, in the whole process, we will always say the CCIW is one of the, probably one of the top three conferences in division three. And we probably happen to be surrounded by the other two. So there's some great intercollegiate athletics being played in the Midwest region. Uh, and certainly football is, is leading the way with that. Yeah. Well, you know, when you, when you look at the CCIW as a league and uh, I don't think uh, the average a college football fan in the state of Wisconsin understands how good that league is. I think you had five schools from the CCIW last year that were ranked in the top twenty-five in the top twenty-five in the nation at one time or another. Yeah, uh, so you know we're able to say we're playing at the national, we're playing on the national stage, and there are some tremendous schools of which we fully intend on putting ourselves in the mix of things with them. But uh, over the last couple of years. The, the CCIW has really put itself out there to say uh, they are national contenders. Hey, let's get to a break. Hey, Coach, can we hold you over for one more segment? I wanted to to talk a little bit about recruiting uh, student-athletes today and compared to what it was like maybe even five to ten years ago, and I want to kind of uh, ask you a few questions about that. Can we get you one more segment? I would love it. That's excellent. He's uh, Mark Krzykowski. He is the uh, head football coach at Carroll University. I just got a text back from uh, from Tony who said, hey, look, I could shoot it here and there, but what I really could do is get offensive boards and put it back pretty easy on your teams, coach. So, you know what? He's still talking smack, that boy. He doesn't quit. He, he, he brings it every every second he can. Yeah, you know, Tony Aker's just one of the really good guys, and he's uh, head assistant. He's the offensive coordinator out at Carroll University. If you don't know that, uh, what a great spot. If you're looking to have your student-athlete play at the next level, man, Carroll University is, is a great location. They are a client of mine, so I'm on the campus quite a bit, and it's got such a great vibe um, when you're on that campus, some really good people work there. And I would highly recommend if, if, if Carroll University is talking about playing out there, you're a good student athlete, take a listen to not only Tony, but to Mark and, and some of the great things they have going on out there. Let's get to a break. We'll continue our conversation on the other side. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coach Association show. Tom Swiddle, my co-host, as always, presented by uh, Raising Stakes Fundraising Leadership Development. Great job that uh, Tony does over there, right? Yeah. How good is he? Um, Hey, we're talking Carroll University football, and and I've asked uh, the head football coach to join us one more segment. Um, Hey, Mark, can we talk a little bit about recruiting kids in today's day and age? And and, uh, and the reason I'm asking this, I had a guy on another show I do call Faith in the Zone, head football coach, and I asked him about kids, and I said, boy, kids have really changed, don't you think? And he said, no, I don't think they have. I think we have. He said, look, I was 28 years old. I was a head football coach in Division I college football. And he said, I was single and I was cool. And I'm now 44. I'm married. I got three kids. I've changed. They haven't changed. And I'm wondering your opinion on that. It's an interesting take on it, and I think there is some truth to it. Obviously, uh, technology has has changed things 
I think kids, uh, young young adults, if you will, coming into the college level, uh, they have a lot of experiences, you know, with the technology as far as social media. They're more uh, in tune, maybe in some areas. So I think it is an interesting take on things. I think their work ethic, they still want to work hard. I think we all do. I think we all like structure. That hasn't changed. Um, I think uh, in some cases, society changes, obviously, and it should. Um, I think technology is the thing that I would maybe point to to say that has changed a lot of what these kids are doing these days. Uh, you know, the old the old way of doing things is go out and play, and you're not coming home until mom's yelling out the door to come in for dinner. Right. Uh, that might not happen as much anymore. Uh, but I think certain aspects of work ethic, uh, the guys that we get, they still want to work hard. That hasn't changed. Their, hey, their desire for success definitely hasn't changed. Hey, Coach, on the social side of it, and, and that was a follow-up question, we had a guy years ago from uh, – he was a, an assistant from southern Mississippi that was here in studio with us, and, and his job, his whole job on the staff was they would give, the, give him a list of like 25 to 30 players – throughout the country they're interested in recruiting and his job over the weekend was to find every Facebook page they have you know the one Facebook page where they have themselves in church on Sunday but then the other Facebook page where they're at keggers on the beach and he found all of them so do you guys talk to your guys and do when you're recruiting kids do you say hey look we're, we're going to be looking into some of the things that you guys are posting so be careful with that yeah, we try to do the best we can. Obviously, with the guys that we have here, we talk about it all the time. Uh, it's it's what's put out there in the social media. It doesn't ever go away. We've heard that before, and it's true. Um, and as far as the recruiting aspect, when I have them in my office, I have a limited amount of time with them, with their family, and we try to address those things. And where we always go with it is we have a, a victory bell on our campus with the idea of after we win a game, we're going to go over and we're going to ring the bell. Well, for us, we want to ring the bell in the classroom. We want to ring the bell on the field. And then we talk about we want to ring the bell out in the community. And that has to do with the community service that we do, but also representing ourselves, our family, our teams the appropriate way. And when you get into social media, it, it ties right in. You have to be careful of what you're doing because it's not just about not getting caught. It's about what you're doing. And if you want to be a championship athlete, you have to act like a championship athlete all the time, not just when people are looking. And, Coach, I'm sure that uh, you know your, your roster is, is absolutely littered with, with individuals who are, uh, in fact, meeting those standards that you've just laid out there. And and why don't we talk a little bit about your, your players, the guys coming back, uh, how you uh, are, how you are shaping up for this uh, upcoming season? Uh, um, can you give us a, a, a little scouting uh, on uh, Carroll University at the, right now? Sure, would love it. Yeah, we have a, a really talented group coming back. Uh, very happy to say that in all the years that we've been here, as myself as the head coach, we've had over 20 seniors every single year. This past year, we had 30 seniors. So we're going to miss them a lot, there's no doubt. But as we said before, they're supposed to graduate. Uh, but with the guys who we have coming back, uh, we're really, really excited. Um, you know, a couple of them, you know, and this is where I always hate to say it because I'm afraid of missing somebody. And for anybody listening out there, certainly, you know, don't take offense to that. But, you know, we got a really good linebacker uh, out of the West Dallas area and Justin Cotney, uh, Michael Johnson, is going to compete really, really well for us at a quarterback position. Uh, he's from the local area. 
Um, I think as I take a look at it, we're going to have some really, really good skill positions. Um, so there's going to be obviously some fantastic competition there. And then, as we all know, in football, it comes down to the linemen, offense and defensive linemen. So uh, looking forward to what they're doing right now. Uh, my challenge to them is always the same. You know, I think we do a really, really good job here, uh, January, February, March, April. And then when school is out, it's their job to then continue on with that in the summer months. Uh, June and July are, are imperative for them to continue on. So I trust them. I know they're doing a great job out there. We have a few of them on campus over the summer, but the majority do go home, and um, we'll look forward to getting them back here. Um, so, uh, you know, another couple of them in the, from the local area, uh, Nico Perez from the local area uh, that we're definitely excited about at defensive line. Um, we got about more than 50% of our roster coming from the Wisconsin area. That's awesome. So, yeah, uh, there's some tremendous football being played. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the incoming class, uh, again, not to miss anybody, but uh, we have some phenomenal players. Austin Eichstead coming in from Cudahy. Uh, we're really looking forward to what he can do. Uh, A.J. Moore coming in from Tosa area. Uh, J.R. Muth, Greendale. Uh, just to name a couple. And then, you know, we try to reach out as, as far as we can. You know, we're a little bit limited. Now, social media, again, uh, does allow us to reach out a little bit more than maybe in the past. Uh, but we do try to stay around the local area. Uh, Madison area, we got a young man, Will Sprout, coming in from uh, James Madison. And um, Lucas Sullivan coming in from Johnson Creek. So we're excited about those guys. So uh, as we said before in the other segment, uh, Wisconsin has some phenomenal opportunities for these young men and i just hope they continue to search out those opportunities in this local area hey coach thank you so much for your time i i really appreciate uh, you giving us that that second segment and i think it's important that that we learn more about what you guys are looking for and and what you talk to your kids about on campus uh he is the head football coach at carroll university uh, Mark Kraskowski, thank you so much. Say hi to Tony for me, and uh, good luck when this thing gets going in a few weeks. I uh, sure do appreciate it. Thanks again for having me on. You Thanks, bet. Coach. Let's get you a break. Other side of the break, Brian Henson, he's the commissioner of the Greater Metro Conference, and Neil Brunner uh, is going to join us as well. This is the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coach Association show that band is Tangle Lines. 53 weeks. My son-in-law's band. Homestead football coaches in that band. And uh, they play a lot all, all over the place this summer. So Have they been at Summerfest? They have. They have played at Summerfest. Uh, they've played uh, a number of places uh, this summer. And they, they were on the Edelweiss Cruise. And they just came out with a new album. That's from their first album. And... He always makes fun of me because that's my favorite song. And he's like, Did you have you played 50? And I go, Yeah, I always <laughs> listen to that song. Tangle Lines is the name of the band. We're now joined in studio, Brian Henson. He's the commissioner of the Greater Metro Conference. Brian, how you been? 
I'm terrific. Glad to be back. Man, you must be getting close to football season. That's when I get you in here. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's good to see you. We're also joined on the phone, Neil Brunner. He is a longtime football official. He is part of the WFCA Hall of Fame. And uh, I don't know, he's probably most known for being Dan Brunner's brother. I don't know if that's the case or not. Hey, Neil, how you been? I'm doing good. That's yeah, my little brother, by the way. Yeah, that's <laughs> all right. No worries on that one. Hey, let's, uh, Brian. What, what, uh, as a commissioner of Greater Metro Conference this time of year, what, what keeps you busy? Well, we got a lot of stuff going on. One of the big things is we're preparing not for this season, but next year with the football only conferences yes. coming online. So we're in the process right now, finalizing the schedule and kind of tweaking what's going on with officials' assignments and going from a 19 conference back to an 18 conference. Man, that's uh, it's pretty exciting times for high school football. You know, this year is the year of last with some of this stuff, and then there's some tweaks and stuff coming up, and and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. I would assume those kinds of changes keep a guy like you pretty busy. Oh, definitely, because from going to a mandatory crossover game with the Classic 8, now back to a traditional uh, two non-conference game and then traditional conference schedule, it's a significant shift. So. Hey, uh, Tom, what, if you were still at Brookfield East, how would you feel about this football-only conference? I think it's it's badly needed. I, I just think you needed uh, more uniformity uh, throughout the state. And, and going back to uh, eight-team conferences where schools are playing, uh, for the most part, not every conference in the state is going to be an eight-team conference, but where uh, people are playing the same number of conference games and getting into the playoffs. And the other thing that happened – uh, with this conference uh, realignment, well, it's not really conference realignment, but football-only conferences, is the fact that you know you've been able to group schools maybe a little bit better with their enrollment, so you don't have situations where like a Grafton is a Division three school having to beat all Division two and Division one schools to get into the playoffs. You know, in in and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say because he agreed, but in early August, Bill Young's gonna come sit in, and we're gonna and we're gonna talk for a couple of hours. And I've got, and I called him and said, "Look, you've never been on any of my stuff, you know, Friday nights. But come in studio before the before you even open camp, and let me ask you all these questions I have for you as a guy who's been coaching at a high level for a long time. And one of them is is about leaving what I think is the best high school football conference in the state of Wisconsin. And I know that he said, "Look, it's time. You know, our enrollment. We're we're playing against these guys every week." getting ready for playoffs, but, man, we're getting beat up a little bit. And I think people might be surprised some of the the, the, the answers that he'll have, some of the questions that, that uh, I'm going to ask him. How does that how does it affect the officials, then, as far as how many you need? Do you, do you, need to, you don't need as many? Well, definitely, because, like, this year, uh, the greater metro schools are traveling to the Classic 8. So yeah. all of our schools, so what will happen is each week, one greater metro school will play one Classic 8 school. And in 2020, all the Classic 8 schools were to travel to the greater metro schools. So we had five sets of football crews that were assigned. Sure. And now we only need four because there's only four games with an 18 conference. How do you how do you determine that then? How does that work? Well, that's when we talk about what keeps me busy in the summer. That's exactly the type of thing that keeps me busy in the summer. I mean, you, you kind of take a look at who you've got and, and strength the schedules and everything else. And one of the things that I'm planning on doing, this is kind of uh, the first time I'm releasing this, is uh, for 2021, the crews that lose games, I'm going to give them first crack at uh, assignments the following year to kind of create some equity there. So you won't you're, – you're not going to um, 
just no longer have guys or have to cut anybody. You're going to keep these guys and then you'll you'll just rotate them through. Yeah, 100%. And okay. here's the key, and we're going to talk about the shortage of officials in a little bit. Right. It's not like these guys are going to be sitting home watching uh, you know, reruns of Friends on uh, Friday night. Because... Or around the corner with John McGivern. They can watch that show if they want. <laughs> there you go. So there's there's other schools that obviously are going to need officials for, for games that night. So it, it's kind of a, for officials, it's probably kind of an inconvenience of putting it back out there, but it's work to get it all squared away. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, um, Neil, when when now are you still you're still reffing or are you retired from reffing? I'm still I've dialed it way back, so I'm still I still have my hand in it a little bit with uh, doing a couple of JV games last year, and uh, I filled in for a varsity crew the year before, and uh, but that's kind of where I'm at. I'm uh, with my wife Cheryl. We've um, I've given up a lot of uh, weekends uh, over over the falls in the uh, past 45 years. So she decided, or between the two of us, we've decided that uh, we're doing a little more traveling in the fall and things like that. But uh, but I'm still um, still you know still taking opportunities to fill in here and there. When if you don't have a game on a Friday night and, and you guys aren't traveling, do, will you go out and watch a high school football game? On occasion. Yeah, you know, on occasion I will on that, but for the most part, we're we're filling in our times where we're, you know, we've got something else going, whether it's, you know, whether it's performance or or you know something else going out, you know, going out to dinner with somebody else. Uh, sure. On a Friday night. So, but but yeah, I, I you know, I, and especially this year, I think I, I might, you know, be doing a little bit of uh, getting involved with. Uh, you know, what crews are out there and things like that, you know, and trying to, and I think at this point, I want to, st- I want to try to transition into um, helping other crews grow and things like that. Other officials, maybe, you know, mentor a little more than in the past, than you had some time to do in the past. Neil, the, you know, the purpose of the segment with you and, and Brian is to really talk about the shortage of football officials out there. We cannot play games without officials. It's that simple. And we have an aging officials um, population out there. Yep. And, and, you know, and uh, they're starting to retire. My father-in-law is an example. He officiated football probably for almost 40 years. And, you know, now he's in his mid seventies and he can't get up and down the field anymore. So he's been done for a little while, but you know, we want to talk about that. And and I think in, in, you know, looking at your background, how you got involved in officiating um, refereeing football in particular, I think is, is a a great intro into, um, you know, why somebody might want to become a football official. And that's, you know, that's a good segue on that and my wife Cheryl was uh kind of planted the seed when I was in the Air Force and saw my athletic ability and saw somebody else as an official from our from our unit and said, Maybe you want to look at that when we when you get back um, you know, get back home and so and that's exactly what I did and there was somebody in the neighborhood uh named Brett Mirchwan sat down and talked to him and he put me in touch with the WIA and uh, the Milwaukee officials association sponsored me there. And, uh, from there I just, you know, grew and eventually into varsity football, uh, high school football, eventually into division three college football. And then 
the opportunity for uh, arena football came along, and I did that for 20 years and um, retired from that two years ago. So it's been a, and it's, so it's been a great experience that way. Um, it's given me the opportunity to see so many different things and to meet different people at all different levels. And I think the biggest thing I would like to get across is you remember a lot of the game. You know, there's some big games or some unique games, uh, but more than anything, you really you remember the relationships you made, you know, initially with officials because you, you're more of a brotherhood or um, now with female officials in football and everything, there's just a camaraderie between all of us. So brotherhood, sisterhood in, involved with that. And then um, with the coaches and you establish a certain credibility as, as you go along and uh, do different things um, and build it, build on your foundation. Using, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to uh, interject that uh, you're talking about the brotherhood and the sisterhood of officiating. You know, again, my, my father-in-law, Chuck Heidner, who officiated for many, many years and still does track and swimming. He just can't do football anymore. Um, he he talks more about what they do after a game when they go out as, in a, you know, as a crew and, you know, the fun they have. Um, you know, just after a game, going out and getting something to eat as a crew, and he talks about that more than he would talk about the actual games that he's done. And he's done, you know, he's done everybody. You know, he's 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 he used to come down and he'd do Arrowhead games, whatever. You know, and but it's it's about that brotherhood that you mentioned. For sure, it's getting together, and uh, my wife and I uh, traveled to uh, to the southeast this year, and. Um, I met up with one of the, a good friend from Marina football that lives in South Carolina and some of the great, great times. And, uh, always if I'm filling in with somebody, a lot of times they're going out, we'll stop afterwards for a bite to eat and talk a little bit about football, but it's mostly, you see, you see the families growing and, uh, talk about the different relations, what's going on in their lives. It was funny. You were, um, with your last segment, uh, talking about Tony Aker. And just um, how things intertwine and everybody's lives uh, come together. I remember Tony as um, in high school because I worked with uh, Tony's mom when I was working with uh, SBC and eventually AT&T. And then um, so he was having success at Brown Deer. And and then eventually I know he went into college. And then uh, when I was working in the WSUC, we were working at Stevens Point and all of a sudden there's Tony Aker on the field playing. And then Tony transitioned into a, in the coaching uh, at point as well, and then eventually at Carroll. So it's those types of relationships are, are really neat as well. So it's not just the officials, players, coaches, um, everybody involved. So it's, it's a great experience. In that and, respect. and you know, and you get a chance to, to to make a little bit of money doing this. So if you're a you know a high school age kid that wants to start refereeing, start to be doing some of this in 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 you know little in flag football or you know youth football, there's an opportunity for you to start to to utilize it as a part time job and find out if if this is something that you really fall in love with, like a lot of these guys do. And we would highly recommend. You know, talk to your student athletes. 
you know, if you're a, a junior, senior in high school and football is your sport and you want, want to stay in the game, and if you're not going to go and play in college, well, become a referee and, and, and help out a game that, that you love and at the same time make a little bit of money. Let's get to a break. Other side of the break, Brian Henson's in studio with us. He's the commissioner of the Greater Metro Conference. And on the phone is Neil Brunner, longtime football official, WFCA Hall of Fame member. And we're talking about getting, you know, some, some officials, try, trying to recruit younger officials to start taking the place to some of the guys that want to maybe hang them up or maybe want to just do what Dan's doing do what Dan is doing. Right away go to Dan yeah. Brunner. Sorry about that, Neil. Um and, and do some J V games and step back a little bit. Uh spend more time with his wife and travel. We we need to recruit some younger officials, not only in football, but certainly in basketball and baseball as well. This is the pick and save. Wisconsin Football Coach Association show presented by Raising the Stakes, fundraising and leadership development on Sports Radio one oh five seven FM, the fan. Going old school. This is. Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Wake up, everybody. Yeah, I love that song. Welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented. Raising the Stakes Fundraising Leadership Development. I show my age with that one, don't I? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. On Sports Radio 105.7 FM, the fan. Mike McGivern alongside my co-host, he's Tom Swiddle. Also joined in studio, Brian Henson, Commissioner of the Greater Metro Conference. And Neil Brunner on the phone, longtime football official. Neil, I just wanted to ask you a, a quick question. Um, so if I was watching, if I was at your house and I was watching a, a game on TV with you, would you be evaluating every call and, and giving me all of the, you know, the inside uh, knowledge of, of rules and things like that? Hey, Neil. Neil, are you there? Did you hear that, Neil? I am. Um, so, so Tom's wondering if he sat and watched a game with you, would you just watch the game or would you critique every single call? Okay. Are you hearing me now? Yeah, I got you now. Okay. Um, and I would say that, yeah, I probably sit there and you go, you go through every call and you look at, you know, replay and, uh, those types of things. And yeah, you, you, you look at it, the game differently. Uh, oh, I bet. Not that you get it. You get involved with it as a, as a fan and things like that. But there's times I sit back and I'll go, wait a minute. If I if I'm starting to question the officiating too much on here, maybe, you know, maybe I, <laughs> maybe there's something. Maybe they're doing. You know, for the <laughs> most part, they're called. They're making the right call. Hey, Tab, what's uh, it yeah. like watching uh, watching the game with your father-in-law? Well, I just described it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah every call. Oh my God, yeah. I, I think I know the rule book. The, the rule book of Chuck Heidner better than any rule book I know. You know, it's almost you watch it with a fellow coach too, and oh, the you, same. you know you're watching off the ball and yeah. you're watching the backfield and you're watching, you know, and it's like, man, can we just watch the game? Why do you keep rewinding it? Basketball coaches trying to pick up out of bounds plays, yeah. rewind, 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 <laughs> and and I guess I am one of those guys. So uh, I just had to ask you, Neil, I, I apologize for that. But what I'd like to ask no, Brian, okay. so we have, you know, uh, football season is going to start fairly soon. And uh, obviously we're trying to recruit officials. So if there is somebody listening, and I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who would be interested in doing this, what are the steps they take, Brian? 
Well, really, the first step is just decide that you want to do it. You know, we talked about picking up some extra money. I'm fascinated by how many people will golf or have various hobbies like skiing, and uh, they pay all kinds of money to do it. One of the exciting things about officiating is you get paid to do it. And I think the first step is it's everybody tends to get involved. Neil mentioned it earlier. They all have their story of how they got involved. I would say if, you know, you watch games and you do like rewinding like Mike was talking about and looking at the out-of-bounds plays and analyzing things, you might be a good candidate for it. So really the first step is I would say either do a web search for uh, the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic mm -hmm. Association. There's a person there. Her name is Joan Gralla. She's awesome. You can contact her. Otherwise, there's officials associations in the area that are going to start classes relatively soon. Uh, the Milwaukee Officials Association is one that Neil's been involved with for many years. Uh, they've got a gentleman who's now a new conference commissioner, Pat Miles, who does a training class for them. Uh, and there's some very, very good officials like Dennis Lipsky, who was in the Big Ten for a number of years. Um, and it's a great class. I mean, there'll be a small group of people, and they'll go through all the steps from everything you need from uniform to registering to getting out on the field and doing some uh, snaps. Hey, is it always, and Neil, I'll ask both of you guys, is it always young guys that are doing this, or do you find that guys that are in their 20s, 30s, even 40s that say, you know what, I, I think I'd be good at this, I want to give this a shot? Yeah, Mike, I think anybody. I mean, I know we always encourage you want that, you know, that, robust 22-year-old that's just coming out of the weight room to be out there. And that might be the candidate or the guy that's going to transition into places like the NFL. But, you know, if you're somebody that's a Friday night football junkie and uh, you're following this stuff and you want to be involved in the game and you may not have the time to dedicate for several hundred dollars of being an assistant coach in a program, you can get involved. And uh, there's nothing like it. I, I, I know Tom talked about it before with his father-in-law. There, there's something very special about walking on the field with four other people on a Friday night and seeing the crowds in these communities and it is it's a it's a tremendous event that there's very little like it in the high school hey can you Neil can I ask you a question so so sure. as, a, as a basketball coach when I'm asked to go and talk to basketball officials and and they'll ask me questions like in your mind what makes a good basketball basketball official I'll tell them look when the guy's in the right position and he sells the call, I never question it. Because I think, look, the guy, he's in the right spot. He's selling the call. He saw something maybe I didn't see. But the way he presents it, I just move on. And if you're talking to young guys about being a good football official, what are some of the things you, you tell them that it takes to be a good official? Well, I think one of the big things on that is communication, is is. You want to be in position, and and you want to be able to explain the call because so many times the coaches on the sideline just want to understand what you what you saw, what you called, and just have an explanation. And that communication part be among the crew and among the sideline and the coaches, and let them know, give them you know give them an explanation what you called, what you saw, why you called it, and and then go from there. I think that's. That's a big part, being in position. The rules, you to understand the rules. You have to know the rules, but then you have to understand how to apply those rules, the spirit of the rule. Uh, there's so many different – you can't just arbitrarily make a call. You know, I talk about you know the, the classic is always the holding, and you could call holding on every play. That may be true on that, but where it affects a play and why you made a certain call. That's, so that communication part of it is – it's so key. 
as far as all and the, you, you life experiences and things like that. Ryan talked about the association. That's where you get a lot of that consistency in the rules and mechanics, uh, how to be ready for unusual situations. Um, and in those associations, you also get op- notifications of different opportunities. And usually you start from youth onward. And what we found, um, what I'm seeing with the WIA, I mean, or with the Milwaukee Officials Association, there's a handful of young guys, those 22, 23 year old guys that Brian mentioned. So many of others are guys that maybe worked on chain crews when their kids were, um, you know, were playing. Football. Sure. And now they're in their forties and they want to stay with, stay involved with it. And hey, I've seen those types of people get in there. Hey, Neil, thank you so much for that. And and guys, thanks. I wish we had more time. Brian, it's good to see you again. Great to uh, see you, Mike. You bet. Brian Henson is the commissioner of the Greater Metro Conference, and our friend Neil Brunner. He is a longtime football official and WFC Hall of Fame member. Uh, Neil, thanks a lot. I appreciate thanks, uh, gentlemen. your time. Have a good weekend. Tom, it's good to appreciate see you. Great to see you as well. You bet. Uh, thanks for listening. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.